are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast with Mark Alden Taylor. Welcome to another edition of the Freeform Rock Podcast, and we Freeform. have a form. Freeform. Well, that was Chris, uh, Chris Elio. <laughs> so, hi, Chris, and Lee's there somewhere. What's up, Lee? I'm HR, I'm HR Puppet Stuff. HR Puppet Stuff? Yeah. Oh, wow. But I'm doing okay. Puffy, but cool. You're puffy, but cool. So what's going on with you guys this week? Anything cool going on? Oh, uh, just, I... just in life? Yeah. <laughs> uh, life is good, man. I, I, we're honestly, I, I, I live in the weirdest place in America, honestly. Um, the weather here cannot be actually weirder. Uh, in the past week and a half and i know you're in la mark so that's that's interesting in its own right so you probably have something to say on this subject but <laughs> um but here in pennsylvania we've had everything from 60 degree weather to four to six inches of snow today we have like wind out there like it's the midwest like i can't even like it's like 60 degree i mean 60 mile per hour gusts it's ridiculous like it was it's the weirdest thing i've ever encountered and every year it seems to get weirder so huh. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means yeah we yeah, have I'm- I'm in New York, and and my sister has a like a summer place, but she seems to occupy it in the winter. But it's in Pennsylvania. Okay. In yeah. Howley or we have Holly. People, we have people here, and snow's dropping, and they're going, "What the hell is that? It's what's this yeah. white stuff?" <laughs> yeah. And no, then, I'm I'm I, I lived in uh, Northern California for ten years, and uh, I never I I didn't even see rain for the majority of that ten years, let alone snow. And they were talking about. Snow was coming down the mountains and this, that, and the other. And my friends in Vegas got snow. It was crazy. It, yeah, it's been nuts. So that's the big thing that's been going on around here besides the crazy music stuff that's been awesome. Like all the new releases that came out on Friday. Like I'm overwhelmed with the amount of new releases that came out on Friday that I haven't even gotten through half of what I wanted to listen to yet. So it's been amazing. And one of those new I, releases we're doing next week. <laughs> I, I I have like a fear that all these new releases are going to chase me down the street and try and threaten me to hear them, and I have to run away screaming. I know, right? <laughs> right. I, I need to I need a PFA against some of them. It's crazy. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just put in a new album by Dream Theater today in the car and listen to most of it. It's freaking oh, it's so uh, we'll, good. Well, let's hold oh, that wow. for next week. <laughs> well, it's really good though. Yeah. It's really good. And then one one of my one of my picks this week was another new release that came out on Friday as well. So. We'll, we'll get into that when the time comes. So. All right. So today we're going to do maybe Russia's final album, uh, oh, definitely. Angels. Well, definitely. I'm kind of hoping that Neil Peart might not want to tour, but he can make an album. <laughs> you know, nope. he might get that uh, itch. <laughs> so, so I mean, if we're if we're going to launch right into that, um, I can I can say that um, Getty Lee's been making the rounds lately because he's been. Uh, promoting his book, he's got book a, a of book of, of yeah. bases. Yeah, that he uh, that that he's been collecting over the years, and he's been asked this question in at every single interview regarding the future of Rush. Is there a thing with Rush? There was actually a a, a quasi rumor that turned out to be this stupid clickbaity thing, where uh, somebody suggested Mike Portnoy might uh, you know play with uh, Lee and Lifeson and this, that, and the other. And essentially, what came of that was. Some uh, overzealous reporter just asked Portnoy if he would ever take that gig, if it was hypothetically offered to him. And of course, Portnoy was like, "Well, why wouldn't I? Like that's stupid." But it would have to—he would have to get the blessing of of Neil Peart. However, what I'm getting at here is that 
um, Getty sees Neil Peart on a regular basis. They talk all the time. And he said Neil's not even playing drums, let alone, uh, like, not only is he retired from Rush, but he's retired from drums. Like, yeah, he period. sold all his drums. Like, he just, he just doesn't play. He just doesn't play at all. Yeah, there's no like, drums just, in the house, no drums anywhere. But remember when they were gone for a while, Neil, when he lost his family, he, uh, he stopped playing music, but you know musicians will get the itch. He might not want to go like do concerts anymore, but he might want to create music. So that's my hope. I'd rather just have studio albums, you know, just keep going. Well, with to that. be to be honest, that was but that was like almost twenty five years ago. Yeah, true. <laughs> like that's that's a long time. Because believe me, I, I'm not arguing with you because I because I don't want to be right. Believe me, because especially if Clockwork Angels is any indication of what they were able to do in the twilight of their career. Uh, I want to hear more. Like, there's just no way around that. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I can hold out hope. But um, that Time Stand Still DVD was definitely a, a, love, of love, a love letter of goodbye to the fans. It was a tearjerker for me, man. I was crying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when Neil came on stage with them when he's never done before. He said, always, the back is mine, the front is yours. And he came up and surprised them and freaking... Yep. Did a bow and I go whoa, <laughs> damn! I got a story about that show too. Um, I, I have deep regret um, about I, I had a chance to go to that show, and I actually because I lived in San Francisco and that show was in L.A. and I had a bunch of friends in L.A. and I had uh, I had a media contact with Rush. I never had a chance to interview them, but I met them, and um, you know the guy said, "Look, I got I have one ticket to the to the uh, Staples show." If you know it's the last show of the tour, um, and I, I just I contemplated it, and I was like, "What's well, going to cost me this amount to get down there?" And I had just started my own business, and I was just, you know what, uh, you know, I, they'll be back. You know, I, I'll they'll be back. They, there's no way that they're not going to do a farewell tour like every other hack band. And I should have known better because they're not a hack band like every other hack band. So yeah, so I missed out on going to that show, and I I regret it. It's one of the few times in my life that I actually have a regret, and that's definitely it not going to that show one of so. the few bands with musical integrity you know it's like the ultimate musical yeah. integrity honestly like they, there's none higher in my opinion they've they've done it right every step of their career so yeah so but, but so we uh, talked about this album a little bit but before we get into this album in depth we have our newer artist spotlight and uh let's see you picked wheel the pieces lie and I picked Nita Strauss, uh, Mariana Trench. She's a freaking great guitar player, man. I just ordered that CD after I heard that. And uh, Sam Fender by uh, Lee with a song called Spice. So here's our newer artist spotlight. Enjoy. Destination in mind 
Spotlight with <laughs> with Wheel the Pieces, Lie, Nita Strauss, Mariana Trench, and Sam Fender Spice. So let's get into this what could be, probably is, the final rush release ever. Well yeah, this was written to a particular idea. Whereas on past albums, you know, he's got sort of a collection of bits and bobs he's been thinking about. <coughs> Excuse me. Things he's been thinking about over the, you know, past year or two years, whatever it is between albums. This time there was a, there was a concept and a story that he wanted to tell. So everything is written to tell that story. So it is starting fresh and writing from that particular point of view. I suppose it's another aspect of if you do change the lyrics, it's got to still remain within the set story. That yeah, know. yeah, and some of the difficulty I had was he's looking at it as a story. He's looking at it almost as a book, as a piece of prose. And what works in a paragraph or in a book or in a chapter does not necessarily make for a good song. So. For me, it has the song comes first. Obviously, the melody comes first. I'm the singer. I, I have to shape a melody that's that is you know good or beautiful and works in the context of the music and doesn't feel weighed down 
by a story that someone's trying to tell. So that's, that's a fine balance, and there's a lot of back and forth necessary to get that just right, because you don't want it to be, you know, so literal all the time. It needs to have some flight of fancy to allow the listener to put their own, attach their own world to it, their own image of it. That's what music is. Music is a personal thing. I don't want to have every song explained away to me in such great detail that it takes away my ability to imagine what that world that they're singing about is like. That's a beautiful connection between the listener and the piece of music. So that, that's the hard part. And uh, I think the fact that Neil knew that he has another outlet for this story, which is a book that's being written about this story, I think it took a lot of pressure off of him having to have all those details on the musical version of it, knowing that he has uh, a, a detailed version yet to come. Which just makes me want to die, <laughs> like we were talking about. It's just like... I could try to find their studio and then sneak in and find tapes of songs that they haven't used and just re-release them and call myself Mr. Periwinkle. So they they're doing all I these am. remasters right now, so they're probably going to find something. But they won't release something that's not perfect. They're not like willy-nilly, let's just throw out these fucking demos because you give the fans a bone. No, they don't do that shit. Uh, <laughs> I would do that. I would release some if someone offered it to me. I would, all I did was spit in the microphone they went, here's $10,000. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing with, with the remasters that I find most interesting so far. Uh, there's a trend that they're following. They're releasing some random live stuff, which from their early career, there's not a lot out there, especially mm. a lot of like truly live stuff. Uh, you know, you know that like the 70s live albums and stuff, they're all pretty doctored. Yeah. Uh, all the bands did that. So it seems that Rush is, is putting out a little bit more truer sounding live stuff from the 70s and, and the 80s, which is great. And they're yeah. usually attached. They're usually attached to the remasters. And then on top of that, the more more interesting things is that each remaster at this point has had some measure of a cover version of some of the songs and that's incredibly unusual because throughout their career they have abhorred when people covered their stuff they really really never gave their blessing for such a thing so now all of a sudden like there's a great version of the song tears on 2112 by Alice in Chains um, and I believe Anthrax did a version of Anthem on uh, the fly by night remaster so Hmm. There's a, yeah, so there's some really great um, covers out there that that are being kind of endorsed by Rush, which is which is really cool. So well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm just like, fuck, this is my favorite band of all time, and I don't want them me to too. end. <laughs> I don't want them to end. Yeah, it just me too. Me and nuts. and I, and as we go through this, you'll see they said goodbye. Like there, there there is a there's a very poignant and obvious goodbye on this album, and uh, I think they knew it long before that tour even though if you watch that dvd and that documentary the decision was made during that tour kind of but i get the sense that it was more obvious than they're letting on so but all right yeah so this is the this is so uh in the book with uh martin pop off says so we arrive at rush rush's 12th studio record and grand statement it was 
The first concept album by the band in many layman images made concept albums of all the time. Def Deftly, Rush created a concept album that was both extremely complex of plot and yet coexistent about these things as a lifelong as lifelong prog fans making sure to deliver songs that stood alone as compositions and most of them quite rocking. No particularly short or long songs, instrumental interludes, reprises and narrative bits. So yeah, this is a concept album. They went out with a concept album, you know. There's a book oh, wow. there's a book that goes with it. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> it makes me think that the title Clockwork Angels is so like the way of saying, Hey, we're the angels, we're the top of the heap, but we're on the clock and when this is over we're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, the story from I, I didn't get to read the entire book, but the Clockwork Angels are um they're the the basic premise of the story is that there's there's a guy called the timekeeper or the watchmaker or something to that watchmaker. Effect. Yeah, and uh, he uh, and he he you know the Clockwork Angels are the ones that kind of oversee the people, um, oh, yeah. and and they pose as they pose as you know nice figures, but sometimes they're not so nice figures. So um, yeah, yeah it's it, like you know it's it's more of an adventure than it is a you know there's no like violent imagery or anything like that. It's kind of an adventure type hmm. of thing. It's like so. I have, I have the live Blu-ray from the this tour, and they have like um. They have like little bits where they're playing characters. It's freaking quite hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that live show, the Clockwork Angels tour, was like hands down my favorite Rush. Like I've seen I've seen Rush twenty two times, and uh, it was my favorite Rush show ever. Was was the Clockwork Angels tour? It was my favorite set. The orchestra, you know, the mini like orchestra thing that they did. Uh, it was it was they they uh, focused a lot on the eighties era. Uh, in terms of their set list, and I love that. And they played so, freaking uh, Grace Under Pressure. That's like yes. No, they played a, and they played a lot of Power Windows. They yeah, did, they played Grand Designs and they played Territories, and I mean it was awesome. They yeah. played uh, uh, Mystic Rhythms again for the first time in a while. Like so, it was a great set. Love that set. It was one of my favorites. That's I mean, cool. that's his favorite era right there. <laughs> they, the Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. A lot of fan, a lot of fans go fuck What's Rush. That? Hmm. They go fuck Rush and the synthesizers. Fuck this shit. Yeah. I want yeah. fucking twenty one twelve. Well, you know what? Fucking move on then. We like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, without without making this into a complete Rush documentary, I mean, Rush is the only band that I think not the only, but one of the few that successfully transcended each decade that they were in and became relevant within the decade that they were in without changing their sound. Like you can you can identify Rush in any of their eras like without even question. There's no like is that Rush really? That's Rush. But yet their sound was so distinctly different from 2112 to Power Windows to Counterparts to Snakes and Arrows and then to Clockwork Angels. Like it's just it, it Clockwork Angels was kind of the culmination of all of it and uh you know that kind of brings us back to where we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get in, let's get into the first track on this album, Caravan, which uh, Lee picked. So here's uh, Caravan by Rush on the Freeform Rock Podcast. Thank you. 
That was Caravan. Why'd you pick that song, Lee? Oh, this sort of sounds like an updated version of something they could have done after Signals. I think Grace Under Pressure is a great album, but I could imagine this having been done instead of Distant Early Warning. Distant Early Warning is great. I'm just saying this song brings me back to that time, and I feel it could have been perfect for those years. Great song. Could you imagine Distant Early Warning with that production? With that sound, sure. That, oh. that song would be heavy as shit. Like I couldn't, I can't yeah. even fathom how heavy that song would be if if Getty wasn't playing a, a Rickenbacker and was playing that that Fender fucking Thunder bass that he plays now. Uh, yeah. It would have been it would have been incredible sounding. Um, this song, Caravan. I remember. Uh, I don't know if you two remember or like. I, I don't know how big a fan. Uh, of Rush, you are lead that you followed their career uh, like mm. a lot, but um, you know I know Mark had said he it's their favorite band, so I don't know if you remember, but these this song and Butb came out first, like almost a year and a half before the album came out. Yep. Um, they they were released separately um, for the Time Machine tour, and they were playing those songs on the Time Machine tour. And Caravan is like, what a f- like what a statement to Rush and like. Like they took criticism for the longest time for being like these prog rock gods and then not being prog. You know, they they did these shorter short form songs for a long time. They didn't do big musical breakdowns for a while. Everything was just song form. Then they come out the first song on this album, Caravan, and it's like this seven minute like it's got this middle section of just incredible drumming and ba- it was yeah. very reminiscent. It's reminiscent more not in sound but in form of like free will where the song completely breaks down and takes a left turn and becomes a different thing. And then, you know, and, and they show their, their music prowess in this song. And yeah. then on top of that, it's heavy as fuck. Like, this song is so heavy, and Getty's voice sounds so strong on this album. It's, it's, it's a theme that you're going to hear throughout the entire album from me, is that the heaviness and Getty's voice on this album. Oh, Caravan's an yeah. incredible kickoff. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not... I'm not completely as much of a fan of their whole career in fact there's some certain albums and certain periods i just don't listen to but um i do like them and occasionally i will decide to listen to a rush album well that's cool yeah that works this song this is what i what i think it starts off with a fucking bang that rhythm and bass get like he said getty's voice sounds so good neil kicks ass and a great solo on the break (laughs) <laughs> and the freaking yeah. this song is just fucking awesome. It's and like, the thing about, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you just get into his bass going. Boom, 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 boom. His bass is so strong on this whole album. It's like he's up front with with uh, Alex. I could crawl in his bass and then uh, go. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> well, the thing and the thing about this song that's amazing and like you know again, very few bands can pull off this type of thing. But the thing about this song that's uh, amazing is that. It's called Caravan, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like a thundering caravan. That's what it's. That's exactly what it sounds like, and it's it's remarkable. Like it's completely remarkable that it's. It, there's nothing more I can say about it. Yeah, it's a great track. And then we get into the next track, which uh, you picked, Chris. B U to B. So here's B U to B on the Freeform Rock Podcast. Oh, 
to be why'd you pick this track chris oh it's the heaviest song in the history of rush this is this is the uh just a full-on bombast of a song uh it i i i envision the stage show every time i hear it um with with uh with uh puffs of smoke coming out of the stage and it's just that 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 riff that it's just 
such an amazing riff and it's it's again it's surprising that this late in their career uh, they can run with the big boys when it comes to being heavy like this is a heavy song like this is like you know over the years i heard them credited with being like the godfathers of prog metal and this is a prog metal song if if there's ever been one this was a a fantastic just metal song it, it and it's it, it it couples along beautifully right after caravan like caravan was this like flowy type of heavy song and then this one is just stop and start and just a punch in the face like a complete punch in the face yeah and it's lyrically like, it's awesome too yeah it's lyrically like, it's great it's like my uh mike portnoy's probably creaming in his pants when he heard neil's drums on this album <laughs> oh it was great great there was a lot of them a lot, yeah. a lot of great drumming on this album like Neil really put his heart and soul into this one. Yeah, you could tell he knows this is it. <laughs> it's like, damn. I, I, again, throughout throughout the course of this <laughs> album, there are certain there are certain poignant moments, uh, both lyrically and uh, musically, that I can say, yeah, this certainly looks like it's, um, you know, the end. You know, I, I kind of had a feeling. Uh, I didn't want to believe it, and you know, and then again, the last tour that was that was it, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> but. What do you think about it, Lee? Well, this sounds like they were trying to be influenced by grunge, but much better than what the grunge bands could have done with it. It has a heavy sound I really like, and it sounds like they purposefully wanted it to sound a little not like their signature sound, even though it still has their sound. Another really good song. Yeah, and I, I put, like, starts off with a slight acoustic and ghostly-sounding vocals, then the drums come in pounding. Wow, Neil is on fire. His drums are so good on this, sound so huge on this album. Getty's bass is all over this with Alex's atmospheric guitars in the background. Neil's lyrics, oh my God, they're so good. <laughs> Fucking great track. This album starts off with a one-two punch and then we get into track three, the title track of the album, Clockwork Angels. What'd you think about this one, Chris? Um, this is the first time where, uh, I feel like you're kind of, uh, with a, I'm kind of slows down and not in a bad way. I'm talking about just musically. It kind of, it gets more into a, uh, a, this is, this is the first, well, this is the first song where, um, not that I want to say that the first song where Alex shines in terms of his solo playing, because the solo on Caravan is, is insane. So, uh, so he definitely shines there. But I'm ter in terms of his signature, like chords, you know that he's got such a, a weird style of chord playing, and and uh, you know the way that he structures his thing, you know the way he plays things. Um, this is kind of one of the first times during the chorus and during the uh, uh, right after the choruses, the uh, the stuff that he plays. It's the rhythmic way that Alex Lifeson does things that makes him so unique and so vastly underrated as a guitarist. Uh, it, it's it's a great song and it really it sets the premise for the uh for the rest of the album um caravan and bu2b start with the heaviness and then this one sets the rest of the melodic premise for the album as far as i'm concerned yeah and and this album brought back the 2112 rush fans i heard a lot of people said oh my god they made an album compared to 2112 i uh, love this shit and i go where yep. were you during the rest of the time man this album fucking kicks all their albums kicked ass to me at least so what do you think about this lee well, the beginning of this sounds like the last part of Led Zeppelin's How Many More Times. But then when the song itself starts regular, it sounded to me like 
at first like Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, and then it changed to like Pearl Jam, but then later it changed again like it was the Dream Academy mixed in a blender with the Stranglers. It kept mm. going all over the place, and I usually like songs that do that, but this time it sounded too busy and didn't quite work for me. Yeah, hmm. this is, uh, I said that the musicianship on this song is just killing it. It's like the solo, the, the solo with the bass pounding that Alex does, and it goes into a killer break after the solo with Giddy's vocal effect. It's so cool. I love this song. Yeah, and I think agreed. in concert, didn't he use a megaphone on this? I don't remember. I mean, I, he didn't bring one out. It might have been on an effect on his voice. Um, I didn't see him holding one because he was playing bass. I thought I remember <laughs> he, him holding a, a megaphone with one arm. <laughs> I honestly don't. Re- I honestly don't remember. I have to. Um, I'd have to look at the video. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, it just there's a lot like to look at me. in a rush show when you're when you're at the show. So it's <laughs> yeah. You're trying to I'm look at it. There's so much Getty. going on. Even the washer and dryer in the background sometimes. You know. <laughs> yes. Or the I actually own, I actually own a shirt from the washer. Actually, I'm sorry, I own a shirt from when they was doing the chicken thing. That's what uh, I, I own a shirt. That, that was awesome when they had a freaking chef come out there and baste it. In yeah, the that was. Shirt. I think that was the R30 tour. Yeah, that was freaking that was. awesome. I love that. And uh, this and this is a great song. And then we get into the Anarchist. What do you think about this one, Chris? Dude, this song is awesome. So he um, Lee had said earlier that. Um, I think it was Caravan sounds like it could have been on Grace Under Pressure. This song has a very reminiscent um, uh, Signals era uh, riff with the with the like that is almost signature Alex Lifeson from the 80s. And it was it was it's just it was it really hit me in the face. Like when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, that is such a, you know, like a a signature rush sound and riff. But one we hadn't heard in a very long time. Yeah, so what do you think about it, Lee? Well, an element of it at first made me think, were they listening to Iggy Pop solo albums before doing this song? It has a kind of a cool YYZ element to it I like. And overall, I think it's a good song, but it's more of a grower. Something to hear more than once before it really sinks in. But I do like it. Yeah, I just remember first listening to this album, and I go, ah, oh, fuck, Snakes and Arrows are better. And then after I kept listening to it, listen, oh, God, this album kicks Snakes and Arrows' ass. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they opened with this song uh, on the last tour. Yeah. So. Yeah, this, I'm this sad I missed opener. it at the forum. I didn't have money to go, and I was like, ah, I, I, but I saw, the, I saw this tour, the Clockwork Angels Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's, uh-huh. a, there's a... There was a there's a great uh, there's a great you know drum riff at the beginning that do do da do like a nice you know a nice tribal beat and then a wow yeah I mean it's it, this is a great song I it, every, here's the deal like I, I'm not gonna say this is a great song anymore because this is a perfect album like this there is no bad songs on this album there's not one single bad moment on this album in my opinion so um, they're all great for different reasons this one to me harkens back to signals like I said and and that's you know, I think this album was meant to be its own new thing, but it was also meant to be, you know, I, I think it, I, I think this is the perfect culmination of all of everything they've ever done, which is hard to do because they've been around for 40 years. That's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh-huh. that's probably why I like this album so much because, uh, spoiler, this is my favorite Rush album. But every time a new Rush album comes out, it becomes my favorite for a while. But this one uh-huh. has stayed my favorite. Usually I go back to Signals. Like you said, it has a lot of signals on it, and Signals was my, is my favorite album, but this one took its place, and I've lived this album, what, 
seven years now, almost? 2012, yeah. It's been that long already, too. Yeah, it's been 2012 when this came out. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> isn't crazy. it? I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, that I think the longest <laughs> time they went between albums was about seven years, right? With the... uh, Test for Echo and, and Vapor Trails was yeah. the longest. So Test for Echo 94. Yeah, it's uh, six years, I think. Six, six years. seven years. Yeah, so this is... This is like they went one past that, so we know. Oh God, they ain't coming back. Fuckers. No, they're not coming back. Yeah, I, I know. I've, I've made my peace with it. I, I've made my peace with I it. I have. Don't it. try and talk me out of it, Mark. Don't try and talk me out of it. Oh, well, I hope Getty. My... I hope Getty and Alex do something together and just call it another band. You know, because I want to hear those two. Because I do yeah, love pretty... Getty's solo album. He did. I fucking. Well, love I was gonna. I was gonna bring that up, and that's something that we should go through one of these days because it's funny to me that like my favorite headache by uh, by Getty Lee. That album to me sounds like it, it, it could be a rush album between uh, Test for Echo and Vapor Trails. And I always say that. Like, it's not, it, it could have sounded like half those songs sound like they could have been on Test for Echo, and the other half sound like they could have been on Vapor Trails. So, it, I mean, lyrically, obviously, they're different because it doesn't have the Neil Peart sound. And obviously, the guitars don't sound right because it's not Alex Lifeson. But the song structure and the way that he sings them and everything, it sounds like it could be rush. It's really, yeah. really remarkable. Yeah. I love Plus, the song still off that album. Fucking kicks ass. Yeah. Plus, uh, working Peer. for perfect. Working for perfect. Oh, is that's my a favorite great album on, too. My yeah. favorite. Plus, uh, favorite headache. Sorry. Anyway, Plus, go ahead, Lee. Oh, oh, <laughs> go, Lee. Say, yeah, yeah. Okay. Bye. No, just gonna. Um, uh, <laughs> like, um, of course, Neil Peart could um, do novels or poetry. I'd read them. Maybe you wouldn't, Mark, because you don't read anything. But I. I <laughs> he's got great books. All of his books are great. I'm sure he's writing. I yeah. have no doubt that he's not that he's doing something. Um, yeah, I heard so. something they were gonna do. He was gonna do a twenty one twelve novel with the same guy he did the Clockwork oh. Angels with. Oh, you mean the Fountainhead? He's gonna do. Oh yeah. no, Atlas Shrugged. That's what it was. It wasn't Fountainhead. It was, oh yeah, was that was already a book. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he based it on something like that anyway. But Ayn Rand. Oh, I didn't get into the song yet. I said it comes in with Neil and Alex. And then Getty's bass joins in. I love the tribal sounding drums, and Getty's bass is killing it. More like a lead bass on this one. Lots of vocal effects. Love it. Love these lyrics. And then I I, I wrote some of the lyrics down that I love. I love his lyrics, where, Neil's lyrics, where he goes, The lenses inside of me that paint the world black. The pools of poison, the scarlet mist that spill over into rage. The things have always been denied. An early promise that somehow died. A missing part of me that grows around me like a cage a missing part of me that grows around me like a cage and then the solo break and then alex kicks ass that freaking lyrics those lyrics hit me hard it's like when you close yourself off it stuff grows around you you know you put yourself in a cage this is what yep. i'm getting out of these lyrics it's like yep. fucking deep <laughs> fucking, and everybody makes fun of neil's lyrics a lot people don't really know him. make fun of him man and those I people are idiots yeah, because I've seen a His poll. lyrics are tremendous. Who has the worst lyrics, Neil Peart or this other guy? And they all voted what? for Neil. And I go, That's really? ridiculous. I know. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He's it is. The, he's, he's revered as one of the greatest lyricists of all time. That's not yeah. even... It, it, can't, it can't be argued. So I, I refuse to take that as, as an actual thing. It's like you can't fight <laughs> You can't fight with Rush haters and you can't fight with Kiss apologists. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Point... Point me in the direction of a Kiss apologist real quick, and I'll deal with them. <laughs> Go to uh, Kiss Kiss Heavy Metal <laughs> Those fucking people. I, listen, I'm a, you know, not not to get off the subject, but like I'm a Kiss fan from '73 to 2000. 
And to me, I went to the farewell tour in 2000. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, they've been gone since then because they've been a yeah. perpetual embarrassment since. And this lip syncing crap and this this feud with Ace and it's all they're fucking disgusting. They're destroying their legacy right now. And uh, this is. Oops. I'm, I'm done now. Okay. Right on. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, we can well, do Kiss another day. Well, the guy who runs that page hates the scab kiss, so <laughs> you can't say nothing yeah, about it. But there's people it's on ridiculous. there. There's people on there, and then Ralph Vieira has an almost human page and uh, on, on YouTube, and Kiss come up. Oh, you can't... We like all eras of Kiss. You can't just be a fan of one era of Kiss. You need to like Absolutely. them all. You need to defend yourself. <laughs> I know. It's like I, I can, don't tell me what to do. They call them. They call them sheeple. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me what to I do. I said. So you're okay paying two hundred dollars for for an American bandstand concert? Okay. I got it. <laughs> All right. Then we get into the next track, Carnies, which Lee picked. So here's Carnies on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Okay, that was Carney's. Why'd you pick that track, Lee? Well, this sounds like old Rush, like Working Man. I really yes. like this. Yes. But then it, but then it has the Ned's Atomic Dustbin element to it that works. In this case, I like the way the song changes. It's really a good song. So, what'd you think about it, Chris? Uh, you can tell from the very beginning the guitar, like the, the opening riff to this song was it, it, it's it's so reminiscent of the 70s era rush and it's it's wonderfully produced it's got this great like reverb and it's just loud and it's you know and, and then lee's right the, the changes in the song um the heaviness at the end i remember live this song was so awe-inspiring live because the stage everything blew up everything blew up at the end of the song it was fucking crazy and i remember seeing this going holy shit and then just when i thought it was over it wasn't it just kept going and like the stage show was insane and the song kind of you know it reflected the song because the song's the same way just when you think the bombast is over it just keeps going it's great great song yeah i i just said song is so powerful lyrics are on point they're playing their asses off and drums go off on this song freaking love this track and then we get into the next track, Halo Effect. What did you think about this one, Chris? Uh, it's a beautiful song. Uh, you know, you want to talk about lyrics, you know, the whole, you know, what did I do, fool, uh, fool that I was, like the whole thing. Like it's very, it, it's another one of those. It, I think it's the first moment on this album of poignancy that you get an idea. And I know it's telling a story, but I just feel that um, this story was, you know, it was was leading to an end and you know he was telling his last story you know that's kind of what it sounds like to me and uh it's a it's just a beautiful song great melody getty sings well on this one you know nothing too flashy about this song but it's just wonderfully presented so what'd you think about it lee if i want to hear a song like this i'll listen to counting crows oh god i i'm not a fan of this type of acoustic ballad and it's a song i'll definitely skip uh, this is what I said. I love the sweetness and regrets in this song. Acoustics are so good. Such an emotional song, and I love it. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Completely. And then we get into the next track, Seven CDs of Gold. What do you think about this one, Chris? See, this one was interesting because this song prevented me from making it a perfect album for a long time. And it took me a, a, like several listens and I, I'm just weird about certain things. Uh, the bass sound on this song, I love the opening riff. The opening bass riff on this song is great. I love it. Um, and uh, I love the verses a lot. And Getty sings his ass off on the oh, verses wow. of this song. Um, what I didn't like about this song was the basicness of the, the choruses. But then the more I listened to it, the more I realized I was wrong. And... Um, I just now I love it. Now it's one of actually one of my favorite songs on the album now, and uh, which is strange because normally I don't change my mind like that. You know, after three listens, I usually go, ah, you know, that song I can pass on it. I was always lukewarm on it, and now I just love it. So it's it's a great song, not the best on the album, but it turned out to be one of my favorites. What did you think about it, Lee? This is really cool and heavy, and a little bit different than what I usually hear from them. All I can think of to say is that if they did this stuff like this on Hold Your Fire, that album would have been improved quite a bit. I love, I love that Hold album. Your Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, oh my god, I just changed my mind about Halo Effect. I love it now. <laughs> oh my god, I changed my mind again. I hate Halo Effect. 
I mean, you can't, you can't, um, you, you can't, you know, you can't avoid embarrassments like Tai Shan off of uh, Hold Your Fire. Oh, yeah. But besides, but besides that, the rest of that album kills, man. But actually, anyway. that's that's probably one that I think at least they did a mistake on purpose. So I, oh, I don't know. I mean, even get it, even Getty Lee was like, I don't know what we were thinking with that one. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I was talking. Um, I'll still listen to it, but every time I hear it, I think, why am I hearing it? Yeah, it's, it's like I was talking yeah. about this the other day with somebody on uh, Facebook. Somebody put up, the police have never made a bad album. I said, so is Rush. And then some guy said, well, they've said they've made some bad thing, done bad things. I go, yeah. I said, but That's albums funny. as a whole, it's no. they're great, but you could take one or two, like one, they make one bad song on one album, doesn't make the album bad. And I brought up Tai Shan. I go, Tai Shan doesn't make that album bad because then you got Force 10, Time Stand Still, and you got well, lots was, of great um, songs on there. I was talking about the whole album. I wasn't just talking about that song. <laughs> I like the whole That's album. That's the song whole. that I kind of like. I kind of like Tai Shan only because it seemed like they were purposefully um, doing some odd, whereas the other ones, they tried to do good and and when, I'm, 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 when I'm china still, sang to me <laughs> when I mean, china sang to me yeah I know. oh okay okay but all i'm trying to say is <laughs> i'll still listen to the album but it's one where i still wonder um if i will like it better and that was my first oh. rush concert on that album so <laughs> well hold your fire hold your fire is just tragically 80s that's really the biggest problem with it is oh, that it's okay. a tr the, the production of it is tragically 80s. If, if like, you know, I can pick out anything at any time. Um, I've actually heard this recently with, like, like, every time a band like Anthrax does a cover of a song from the 80s or something, yeah. I go, God damn, that song's heavy. And the reason is, yeah. is because the production in the 80s was so, so, like, trebly and so weak and so, like, had no guts. Like, a lot of things from the 80s had no guts in terms of production, yeah, yeah I, I can understand that. So, Except for I mean, Force not, 10. Force 10 came out hard. <laughs> but, but still, how much heavier would that sound now? Oh, yeah. They play like, it. Think they about, play even, it heavier even with now. The keyboards. Even when yeah, they, but even with the keyboards. Yeah. yeah. I think they would cut out the keyboards now if they did that song. Well, I don't know about that. The, the keyboards are a big part of that song. But yeah. regardless of that, I mean, you know, it, it's just it's a sign of the times. It's always it's And it's always the way it's been. Uh, it's just a sign of the times, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, this is what I think about the song we're talking about, Seven Cities of Gold. Uh, starts off with Getty's awesome bass and slowly builds up and starts rocking. And like you said, Getty's singing his ass off on this track. And it has a killer break. And I and this song is not my favorite off the album, but it's still a, a good song. Uh, so I kind of agreed with you on that one. And then we get into the next song, uh, The Wreckers. What do you think about this one, Chris? Dude, this song, I, the only reason I didn't pick this song as well is because I had to pick my second song because it's probably my all-time favorite Rush song, This the second one I picked on this album. If you would have given me more than two to pick, I would have picked this one as well. This song is uh, a tearjerker if there's ever been one, especially if you see it live uh, with the orchestra and the whole thing. Um, it, it's one of the best melodies they've ever written on anything. Uh, I love this song, like, with everything, that, like, everything they've ever done. Like, this song is just, um, the lyrics are great. Uh, again, I know Lee's going to hate it because it is it is just straight, like, it's kind of a ballady song. I So I have a strong feeling of, of what Lee's opinion is going to be. You never but, know. Um, he could surprise you. <laughs> yeah, he can. He's probably changing it right now. As we <laughs> um... But... 
But anyway, um, again, and then lyrically, it's the same thing. This song is very reminiscent of another one of my all-time favorite Rush songs, uh, Nobody's Hero from Counterparts. It's got the same kind of feel, and lyrically, it's got the same kind of feel. It's Welcome just, to Best Buy. I'm looking it, it's one of my favorites. The like records is one of my favorites ever. Yeah, uh, mm. you, you brought up Nobody's Hero. That's one of my worst favorite songs, but I don't skip it. <laughs> wow, that's surprising. I love that song. Yeah, the I, lyrics I, don't, that, I think it slows the, the lyrics. I think it should have been on a different album because it slowed down the album for me. The lyrics on that song are possibly the best that Neil's ever written. Yeah, they're good lyrics, but I'm saying it just it distracted from the rest of the album for me. I think that's yeah. probably why. I think it gives it a little bit of evenness. But what? anyway, we can do counterparts another day. Yeah. So what did you think about <laughs> this song, Lee? I almost thought I was listening to a Sun 60 song when this came up. Not a good Sun 60 song, though. I don't like this. But I'd be interested. <laughs> no shock. You called it. Yeah, to see if Ryan, not Brian, but Ryan Adams could do something interesting with this. He'd be Ryan only, Adams. Ryan Adams no, can't do anything anymore. Yeah, he's, Ryan, too, he's too busy with sexual harassment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about. He's too busy R, touching people the wrong way. Yeah. R R Y A N, the young guy. Ryan. Yeah, we know who you're talking that's about. That's who we're talking All right, about. Anyway. Not Brian. <laughs> not, Brian still rules right. to me. All right. How dare you sully the name of Brian Adams? I know. Oh, okay, but anyway, <laughs> he'd be the only guy who could do justice to it. Sorry, Rush. Next song. <laughs> well, this is what I, I love. This song, the lyrics are so good. I love where when he goes. All I know is that sometimes you have to be wary of a miracle too good to be true. All I know is that sometimes the truth is contrary. Everything mm -hmm. in life you thought you knew. All I know is that sometimes you have to be wary because sometimes the target is you. And this yep. song just hits me right in the, the heart because this is it feels like he's talking about me. You know, yep. I'm always wary about people around me. About is this thing going to work out? What's going to happen? You know, and then all of a sudden you feel like people are on you. <laughs> it's like what happened? <laughs> and I don't know if you ever saw. I don't know if you ever saw the video for it with the, the animation for yeah. it. It's fantastic. It's yes. just. A, it's just a great. It's a great pr presentation as a whole. It's a great song, and mm. and now we get to the track number nine, which is my tied for my favorite off this album and so i'm gonna pick a track because you guys didn't pick this track so i'm gonna huh. pick, i'm gonna pick headlong headlong flight so here's oh, headlong this flight fucking song on this the song is go ahead yeah go ahead sorry dude this is headlong flight on the freeform rock podcast and go ahead chris no you... this song's a beast that's all that's all i have to say about this that's it's why it's why another one why i picked another it. one <laughs> another one i would pick if if i had a choice <laughs> well i picked it so here we go there you go. Long flight.
Okay, that was Headlong fl Flight. Why'd you like... Well, uh, you would have picked this song, Chris, so why do you like it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's everything that's great about Rush, like in one package. And uh, it, it really made for a good live presentation because uh, Neil did like two drum solos like in the middle of this song. Oh, God. Um, and, and he extended them and it was just... Uh, just it, Alex Lifeson goes off on this song. If you want to pick a song that's reminiscent of um, Working Man in the way that it's pre presented... This is the song. Like, it's got all the solos. It's got all, you know, it, every guy had a chance to kind of show off in this song. And again, a lot like Caravan, um, it really feels like a headlong flight. Like, that's what the song feels like. Like, you're listening to this song and you're like, holy crap, I'm just flying. Like, I'm just totally speeding through the air. The song is so good. Like, it's such a. It's it's almost the perfect rush song. Like it's almost the perfect rush song. Yeah, every time this song comes on in my car, I gotta roll down the windows. I gotta turn it up to fifty. I gotta freaking jam it like three or four times before I'm okay. Moving on to the next track because this song just rules. What do you think about it, Lee? Uh, I'll I'll tell you exactly what I wrote, and I won't change it. This sounds like Rush collaborated with Sons of Apollo on this. I mean that in a good way. This kicks ass. This would have been my third pick if I had one. Yeah, great. Yeah, this is this is tied for my favorite off the album. The song is a musical masterpiece. It rocks so fucking hard. They jam and show off on this song. The drums give me a heart on. Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the hey, break is don't so. Don't pull no Ryan Adams shit. Yeah. On, <laughs> okay. on the show, all right? Come on. I I don't follow that of his career. I just follow the music. <laughs> the break is amazing. Oh, my God. So good. And they just jam and rock out with Neil hammering the drums. Getty's bass. Freaking amazing lead from Alex. This uh, this makes me want to cry that we might never hear this amazing band again because this song just fucking just kicks so much ass. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Completely. And then we get into, like, uh, I think it's a little filler here, but it goes along with the story, I guess. B U to B two. What do you think about this? Yeah, one? It, it's kind of a reprise. It's nothing special. I mean, it's nothing really to talk about beyond, you know, it, it's cool that, you know, Rush has never really done that before. You know, I mean, I guess if you want to take like, um, you know, the discovery section of uh, twenty one twelve, you know, when he's tuning his guitar and all that stuff, like. That kind of thing. If if you want to compare it to that, then that's fine. That works for me. Um, it's it's that kind of thing. It's a story. It's a story driver. It's, it's nothing more or less. What do you think about it, Lee? It's short and symphonic, but I dig it. I think it's a good song. 
Yeah, I just said like a small recap of the story so far in Steampunk World. Because this album's about a steampunk world, if people don't it's, know what steampunk that's, is. Yeah, that's the backdrop, yeah. Yeah. It ties in the story of the concept of this album together. That's what I feel about it. It's it's pretty cool. I, I like it. I think they... But I guess they had to move it down, but I don't know. <laughs> and then we get into track 11, Wish Them Well. What would you think about this one, Chris? This song's awesome. I mean, there's really nothing else to say about it. The the, the thing that drives this song, if, I, if I'm going to get real technical about it, that, that, that I love... The reason why I love it so much would be... Um, there's uh it's just the chord progressions the the song sounds pretty straightforward and simple and this is what makes rush so great is that when they're not being complex they're still being complex there's nothing simple about this song i mean um to write it you know to write it to play it maybe if you learn it but the the chord progression is not normal you know it's not a normal thing and the way that they flow from their uh uh from the kind of what's the word i'm looking for it's kind of like a uh you know from from a minor sounding or a jazzy sounding um chord progression to this upbeat you know uh thank you god unite that way like that whole like you know that that chorus section that gets so bright and up, upbeat all of a sudden it's just it's really different you know it's just different for them and it's not it, it it's it's what rush does so well it makes everything accessible to people even when they're not being simple what did you think about it, Lee? Now we're getting into Katrina and the Waves territory. Oh, wow. It's in- <laughs> interesting and intriguing to see them do something that edges so much in the 80s pop, but it does work. I like some other songs better, but I would listen to this again. I wouldn't skip it. Yeah, it's a great song, but somehow it's way different than the rest of the album, but it, it freaking kicks ass. I love it. it it's like, um, I don't know, It just it just sounds like it's... They put it on here to add to the story, but the, the, the changes and the rhythm is different than what they were playing on the, the rest of the album to me. But I fucking love it still. And then we get into the last track off the album, The Garden, which you, <laughs> which you picked, Chris. And Mark, you're, <laughs> you're, your whole entire way that you just said that kind of summed this whole thing up. Yeah, I and don't want your, it to end. <laughs> and then your heart sinks. Yeah. And... Honest to God, like, I have never, ever in my entire life... So, yes, I did pick this song. I cut you off before you finished saying that. And I did pick this song because this song is... It is the love letter. It is the goodbye letter. It is everything. And if you listen to it now, you definitely know. Like, hindsight is twenty twenty, and that's for sure. But I can honestly tell you, and, you know, my my soon-to-be 18-year-old son who was... 13 at the time or 14 no 12 actually was 12 years old at the time and i remember talking to him about this and he will vouch for me when i said "Uh (laughs) uh-oh when i after i heard that song i went oh no because we were all kind of waiting for it to happen i mean you know neil had just had a baby uh he had gotten his life back together you just knew that it was going to happen eventually i mean there's no way that he was going to be able to keep playing the way he was playing deep into his 60s like there's just that's not a thing he's not reggie watts he's not you know he's he's playing different things so um this song is so poignant so beautifully written every single human being on the face of the earth can get something from this song both lyrically and musically um and honestly it's something we all should listen to and it's something we all should follow 
but more than that, it, for Rush fans, it's it's like it's like family member going away forever, and it's like them. It's like getting that note saying that hey, you know, you'll have all these memories and you'll have all these things to, you know, to listen to to remind us of who we were, to remind you of who who we were. But you know, this is the last song you're going to hear from us, and it's played out that way. And what a bet! What a bet! There's no better way for them to go. Yeah, it's like uh, Neil has said. He said, "Well, people say Charlie Watts still plays." He goes, "Yeah, but Charlie Watts Charlie doesn't Watts. play like ne- like me." And I said, right. "Yeah, if I play like Charlie Watts, I could play into my 90s." And he said, "But I'm not Charlie Watts. I can't play right. like I can't play with the 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 ferocity that I play with as Neil Peart. I can't play like Charlie Watts. I'm not him." Yeah, I said Reggie Watts. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Charlie Reggie Watts. Watts. Yeah, Charlie yeah I, Watts. I said the wrong thing. Yeah, <laughs> I said the wrong thing. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this track. This is the Garden by Rush on Freeform Rock Podcast. In this one of many possible worlds All for the best Or something's our test It is what it is And whatever Time is still the infinite jest The arrow flies when you dream the hours tick away, the cells tick away, the watchmaker keeps to his schemes, the hours tick away, they tick away. The measure of a life is a measure of love and respect. So hard to earn, so easily burned. The measure of a life is a measure of love and respect. So hard to earn, so easily burned. And the fullness of time, a garden to Stars go spinning, spinning round the night. Oh, it is what it is, and forever. Each moment of memory in flight. The arrow flies while you breathe. The hours tick away, the cells tick away. Measure of love and respect So hard to earn, so easy 
Okay, Chris, why'd you pick that trunk? I just told you. Sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm too busy crying right now. I can't. I can't talk about it. No. Um, it, again, like to me, it's it's you know it's 
it's arguably the best Rush song ever written, in my opinion, in terms of everything that you've ever, not the, everything you'd ever want to hear from Rush, because it's got no like real heaviness to it in terms of music, but in terms of, you know, sending a message, it's it's remarkable. It's just a remarkable track. So, that, I I can't add any more than what I already said. So, so what do you think about it, Lee? This sounds like Paula Cole. But I'm imagining she could do it better. They could have extended BU two B two by five minutes instead of putting this on here, and that would have been better. Oh Jesus! Oh <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to stomp you out on that one because this yeah. is what I this is what I think about it. It's like Chris is saying, "Excuse me, why I cry?" What could be the final song of Russia's career? They end it with one of the most beautiful songs, lyrics so powerful. And here's some of the lyrics: "The measure of a life is a measure of love and respect, so hard to earn, so easily burned in fullness of time. A garden to nurture and protect in the rise and set of the sun, till the stars go spinning, spinning round the night. It is what it is, and forever, each moment and memory in flight." they have ever recorded it's tied for my this is tied for my favorite on the album this is a song this song the story on this album is so awesome and rush to end it with a concept album is so awesome but to me it has to be their best work ever shows off their amazing skills i will miss them they will always be my band the band has spoke to me from the moment i first heard them and has helped me through moments in my life thank you getty alex and neil i love you guys and your music has meant a lot to me enjoy your retirement Neil, you deserve it, the professor. You know. Yeah, and and again, like I can't help but as much as it pains me to accept it, and you know they've done the same thing of accepting it, because uh, again I've heard Getty going through the making the rounds lately, and you know he's not happy. Like you can tell that him and Alex aren't happy with, you know, because they can play forever. But what I respect the most about um, Rush beyond their musicianship and beyond the fact that in my opinion and I know coming from a you know a lifelong rush fan this is no surprise uh, they're the most complete band I think I've ever seen out there and they always did it their own way they always you know they, they never bowed to any of the pressure from anybody including their fans and it wasn't for a lack of love for their fans it was just that they didn't you know, they knew what they wanted to do. And if they weren't going to do what they wanted to do, then they weren't going to do it anymore. And it's at a point now where, you know, you feel bad because like, you know, with all these other musicians that are suffering, Huey Lewis is going through hearing loss. Eric Clapton has got arthritis. You know, you got these guys who are suffering, who can't do the thing that they love. And, you know, Neil Peart had the luxury of not only having the career that afforded him the opportunity to walk away with riches beyond his wildest dreams and be able to just live the life he wants to live. But the fans are not angry. Like we're not angry. We're sad, you know, because we know that he just can't do it anymore. So I respect them. And, and Getty said it himself. He's like, we were never going to do the farewell tour anyway. Like we were never going to do that, that cash grab that all these other bands do. And, I respect them for that, especially after um, seeing what's going on with the aforementioned Kiss that we've yeah. just mentioning before and their cash grab and Ozzy doing his, like, what, fifth farewell tour at this well, point? Well, then he said it's not really a farewell tour, so Ozzy... But, I mean, 
But, I mean, Slayer is now doing, you know, their third leg of their farewell tour. I mean, give it a rest already. Like, it's a cash grab. We get it. And you're probably going to come back eventually anyway, where we know Rush isn't coming back. Like, yeah. I, I know they're not coming back. So, you know, farewell to Rush. I feel the same way. Um, I, I, but I'm, I'm glad that we got their best effort. Like, this was definitely the best effort. Yeah, and, uh, like, when I was reading that, you know, I started tearing up. When I wrote it, I was tearing up. And then when I read it again to my fiance, I was tearing up. I said, this band has just meant a lot to me during my life, especially uh, the song Subdivisions, you know. That was me in school. I was never cool. I was always the cast out, you know. Yeah. And yep. that song always spoke to me. All their music has spoke to me. I, I got into their music from Grace Under Pressure, Power Windows, and then went back and started enjoying everything. It took me for the longest time to even get the first Rush album because Neil Peart wasn't on it. But I still mm. listen to it, and I love it. It's not my favorite That's because great. Neil's not on there. But oh. but I still love the first Rush album. Yeah, Rutsy wasn't a bad drummer. No, he wasn't. But he's not. No, he did a good job. He's not the the lyrics. The lyrics of Neil is what makes Rush for me. The oh band. yeah. Well, I mean you you can hear the you can hear the very distinct difference. I mean they were a Led Zeppelin disciple band on the first album. Like you can hear that. Um, Gene Simmons is the one that said it best. It's like what is this Canadian Zeppelin? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, so I mean, he's the one. You know, he's the one I first heard say that because they toured with Kiss a ton in the early days, and there was a documentary. And Gene's like, "What is this? Like Canadian Zeppelin?" <laughs> yeah, because that's what they uh, sounded like. Yep, yeah, I have that uh, documentary. I love it. Uh, forgot the name of it. Dang it! Uh, uh, all was, the was it the Time Stand Still or no, the other one? The, oh, Beyond the Lighted Stage. Yeah, Beyond the Lighted Stage. That's so good. Again, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen made on a band. I mean, I've yeah. seen a bunch of good ones. But it's a very good one. It's very well done, and it's fleshed out nicely, and they, they didn't really pull any punches. I mean, there's not a lot of negativity in the Rush career, so, you know, not mm. a lot of things that mm-hmm. they did that were, um, you know, that was questionable in terms of, you know, behavior or diva shit or anything like that. But, or, even, or even wasted. Getty said he, they said you could have anything you want, so he said, give me some whiskey. So he went on stage after he drank some whiskey, and he said, that was the first and last time I ever did that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so you can't you can't be wasted and play rush music. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's too hard to do. You know, yeah. you, you like. You, but I respect them for doing that. <laughs> well, yeah, they're working too hard. You can't just you know you can't do it. You just it, you're working too yeah. hard. You know, I can't see like the guys in Dream Theater going on stage like sloshed. Like I just can't see it. Like it's um, too much to play. <laughs> Van Halen, yes, on. but not. <laughs> Yeah, even Eddie, yeah. when he's drunk, can still do a good solo because he's just riffing, you know. But <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, if if you're a legendary guitarist, you could stay in key and, and just yeah. do your thing. And but you know, when you're doing stuff where everybody has to be on the same page, to you know, playing eleven eighth or fifteen eight or something like that, and you're like, oh um, Jesus Christ! Have you ever um, looked at anything by Doctor Hook in the Medicine Show? Yes, if, actually. Yeah, yeah. So um, Rush is like the complete opposite of that kind of band. But that oh, was of the kind of band that I dug when I was growing up. I, I laughed. I thought they were great. Yeah, and this uh, this album actually, was. I think it's the highest charted album in America. It charted at number two. Canadian, of course, number one. And they also won Best uh, Rock Album on the Juno Awards up there. Uh, so this is a, this is a great album finish it was number four uk 21 i don't know what what's wrong with england uh, <laughs> uh-huh. they, usually lo- they usually love rush 
I know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. And they were kind of sad because they were trying to get more dates out of Neil, and he just wouldn't go for it on the on the last concerts. And they wanted to go to Europe. They wanted to say bye to Europe, and Neil just wouldn't have it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I was until the recent until the recent um, interviews with with Getty, Getty. Um, I was I was actually kind of holding out hope that at some point down the line, five years or something, like you know, shake it off and whatever. Um, they would do like a run of shows in Toronto or, or do some sort of residency somewhere like in, in uh, you know, in Vegas or something like for, for a week or something. And I would travel like I would so I'd be in Toronto the next day. Like I, all, that's all I need to hear is that there's a show. Rush is going to play another show in Toronto when and where and I'll be there. I don't care if it's a thousand dollars. I will be there. But uh, after hearing that, I, I, I can't see how a dude who's in his mid to late sixties now, who is not playing at all, is all of a sudden going to get himself in game shape for a few shows just to appease fans or whatever. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't even think he would be capable. Like, I, I don't know if that's a thing. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm not a drummer. Like, I'm a drummer, but I'm not like, I'm not Neil Peart. You know yeah. what I mean? I haven't been doing it for forty years. I don't know if he's capable. Like, I don't even know if his human body can handle it. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, he's playing, the stuff he plays is really, it's, it's really insane. It's a physical demand. Uh, here's, yeah. what it, here's what it says. It says, had the release been eligible for UK albums chart, the album would have debuted at number one. <laughs> so I oh, guess they didn't make it eligible, so it went to number 21. Mm. But Mark, Martin Pop Popoff, the book I have here, he said... He gave this album a perfect 10 out of 10 and said of it, no, one can't deny there's more purpose and focus here than any Rush album ever. Yeah, hmm. agreed. Yeah, I agree. So I it, totally agree. I, I don't want to stop talking about this album, but we're going to have to for time constraints because I, I just love <laughs> Rush and I could talk about Rush for hours. Yeah. Uh, Why don't we just listen to Two You B Two again? B Two You B. Yeah, yeah. B2, or just keep B2. playing Headlong Flight on uh on and the Garden on uh on repeat. Headlong Headlong Flight. <laughs> yeah, on repeat. The garden. Yeah. So let's get in. That was our review on Rush Clockwork Angels. More like a well for me and Chris. More like a love a love letter for for Lee. Okay, here and there. <laughs> so and more oh, like more, more like a, a love letter, but maybe a couple of paragraphs I might need to edit. But but overall, well, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like Lee liked more than he didn't. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, but we're we're like gushing over it. He's like he gushes and then he doesn't. <laughs> so uh, the front cover I was to, designed. By, I go to the bathroom and then I don't. We can't leave this. The front co cover was designed by Hugh Syme, who longtime album covers for them depicts a clock mark with a uh i can't arcmentical symbols instead of yep. numbers it displays the time as 912 which in a 24 time is 2112 the reference to the band's fourth studio album i didn't know that yeah i didn't know that either that's yeah. news to me 912 which is 24 hour time is 2112 Oh yeah, awesome. duh. Yeah, yeah. I know it now. Yeah, it's awesome. So <laughs> let's get cool, in. Though. Let's get into our tracks of the week. You picked Devin Townsend. I've heard of this guy, but I've never took the time to listen to him. Uh, I okay. heard this track, and it's really freaky and cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um. So Devin Townsend, 
just to give a little history on Devin Townsend, um, he's possibly one of the greatest singers out there right now, especially in metal. Um, he's a he's a virtuoso guitarist as well, and he's a crazy, insane composer at the same time. Uh, he started with Steve Vai. He was on Steve Vai's Sex and Religion album back in like the mid '90s. Um, yeah, as a vocalist, as a singer, it's like the only it. albums. I didn't like that album. <laughs> oh, like, that's hmm. such a good album. Oh, because Holy I didn't want. I wasn't expecting vocals, so I, I didn't like it. <laughs> I was oh, expecting it's instrumentals. so good, man. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good album. But um, and that kind of launched his career from there. That album, the band on that album is ridiculous because you had Terry Bozio on drums too. That's oh, a fucking him. sick album, dude. Yeah. yeah, that's a sick album. But anyway, um, and then he went from there and did his solo thing. He also had a like a thrash metal thrash prog metal band called strapping young lad um which is also his band uh and he's just been he's been perpetually underground but popular so he's like he's like at the if, the, if there's a, a hierarchy of underground metal bands or, or underground metal artists especially in prog metal he's at the top of the underground let's put it that way he's hmm. highly he's highly respected he's highly regarded as basically the metal zappa is what he kind of is He's he's kind of a ring he's kind of a band leader. He's always got different people. He, you know, this newest album that he's coming out with is kind of, I think it's going to be his love letter because he's been kind of he put himself in in the restraints of being in a band um, by his own forming called the Devin Townsend Project, which started out as an experiment he was doing to explore different types of musical styles. So he did like a four album run of four completely different styles, and then it turned into a band. And then it got stale by his own admission. He's like, this is this is getting stale. I need to do something different. So his answer to that was this album, Empath, that's coming out in March. And the first release, the song Genesis, is fucking chaos. That's all. That's the only thing I could possibly come up with is that hmm. it's chaos. But it's, but it's beautifully chaotic is what it is. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, I liked it. But he's not really singing that much on this song. It's like more uh, like orchestra, orchestral. To me. There's a bunch of different things going on here, and and he even admits it's funny because he he's so he's doing a podcast, um, but it's basically him over the phone explaining the album. It's very interesting. So he's done four weeks worth now. Um, if you look it up, I think it's on YouTube and stuff. But he um, he explained that choosing a song, like releasing a song to represent the album, is always a difficult thing. And on this album, it's really really difficult because. There's like nine different styles on this album, and this song was the only one that he could pick that kind of had its hand in all of it. <laughs> so, hmm. so that's why he went with this one. So, it's um, you know, it's the first, it's the first song, and I love it. I think it's great, and it's like I said, beautifully chaotic, uh, wonderful music. And if you're into weird shit, which Lee sounds like you are, I'm I would definitely check it out. I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued. I'm going to yeah. listen to it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it it's a really weird song, but I was I was liking it. So it's long too, pretty long. Yeah, it's like it's like eight minutes, I think. Yeah, to it's, start. it's really cool. So after this uh, this tearjerker of the Rush album, I had to pick something really really uh, liked. So I picked Warrant "Riding High," a deep track off uh, the first album, which Riding I really Riding free. I love this song, man. I was just it came on my phone yesterday. I go, I'm listening to this. I uh, love this track. Song. And then you uh, Lee picked Orange Wedge Love Me. So here's tracks of the week, Devin Towns Genesis, Warrant Riding High, and Orange Wedge Love Me on the Freeform Rock Podcast. And 
uh, guess you're going to be here next week with the new Dream Theater. We're going to review that one. So talk to you next week, Chris, and see you oh, next yeah. week, yep. Lee. All right, it's been a yeah, pleasure. Can... All right, and, and wait, hold on, hold okay. on. I'm holding for you before you go. I did a whole review of the Dream Theater album as well on my shows. So if anybody wants to check that out, I can I can tell you the name of the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> go ahead and pimp, pimp your sure. show well, real actually, quick. Actually, Forgot you know what? Me. I'll save it for next week uh, because I don't want to take away from from what we're going to do here. So I don't want anybody to hear my review beforehand. But what I will say is the show is Progtology 101. I'm on every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time on ISKC Rock Radio or ISKC.rocks. So just check it out. All right. So okay. here's, here's our tracks of the week. Devin Townsend, Genesis, Warrant, Riding High, and Orange Wedge, Love Me. Until next week, say goodbye, Lee. Okay. Bye, y'all. Bye, Chris. See you later, man. Bye.
Get into the promos. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I wanna rock. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You gotta fight for your right. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We've got Bush. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That's right, bangers. Cold beer, hot women, loud music, and copious amounts of hairspray and spandex every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern. The Big Bushy Power Hour is the biggest party. On that metal Hello, folks. This is the Rock Sponge Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends podcast. Join yours truly every week as I look at a different classic rock and/or metal album that had an impact on my life and/or rock music in general. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two. And there's no country or rap or techno bullshit on the show because I hate those fucking music genres. Techno and rap and country sucks. So if you want a kick-ass rock and roll podcast, check out the Terrence Reardon and Friends podcast every week on YouTube and now on Podbean and iTunes. So yes, folks, I'm available in two different, three different ways. Podbean and iTunes for the audio and YouTube for the visual. Thank you very much. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina, 
Skater Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Punch it! Get blasted! Hello folks, this is the rock sponge Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Podcast. Join yours truly every week as I look at a different classic rock and or metal album that had an impact on my life and or rock music in general, and I'm usually joined by a friend or two. And there's no country or rap or techno bullshit on the show, because I hate those fucking music genres. Techno and rap and country sucks. So if you want a kick-ass rock and roll podcast, check out the Terrence Reardon and Friends Podcast every week on YouTube, and now on Podbean and iTunes. So yes, folks, I'm available in two different, three different ways. Podbean and iTunes for the audio, and YouTube for the visual. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Lee Gerstmann, and if you like to hear some stuff that's like, you don't know what it's going to be, and even if it's stuff that I don't even know what it's going to be, check me out on what I call the Lee Gerstmann Show. And it's just me doing reviews or me doing horsing around or whatever I'm doing. Check it out, please. You have just listened to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artists by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.